Welcome back to another episode of the Street Alpha Podcast. I'm your host, Tooks, and we're in a different location right now. We're sitting in a Supra, a Mark V Supra, with legendary STI Mikey. Let's clap it up for STI Mikey. <laughs> My girl's clapping over there. <laughs> um, so I just want to give it a huge shout out to Hezzy, because Hezzy told me that I was not going to be able to do this interview because you're so busy. <laughs> but we're doing it in a Mark V Supra. Pause. We're, do- we're, we're doing an interview in the Supra, so we had to make it happen. We have an audio issue, so there's uh, a lot of people yelling, and if you guys can hear that in the background, too. You got me at the track. That's yeah, why you got me. Track, so you came out to the track. Exactly. That's the only way we can make it happen. I know we were speaking a couple times on Instagram, um, and I was hoping to go to the shop out in CT, uh, but we'll talk about that as well, because um, I, I learned a lot with our conversation two days ago, uh, more about you and, and what you're doing with the Supra and the platform. So definitely want to uh, tell you that I appreciate what you're doing uh, for the platform, pushing the platform, and putting on for the B58 as well. So, um, got a lot of questions for you. A lot of people DM me asking a ton of questions about what they should do if they need a downpipe, how much they can make on a downpipe in tune, what platforms they should go with. Um, and I feel like you're the guy who can answer a lot of those questions. I'm happy to do so. So, what I want to know is um, how you got your start with tuning, because you are primarily a tuner, correct? Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was a shoppy back in like okay. my high school and college years. So I was the guy that was always around, knew absolutely nothing, but was fascinated because I always liked fast cars. Um, so I guess it really started when I was 14 years old. I'd steal okay. my parents' minivan and just try to race everything on the street. Wait, wait with a minivan? Yeah, Dodge Caravan, man, 1989. No way. Yeah. I'd try to with find the all the Cavaliers and Neons in town, man. I was like a... What? Yeah, I was a little street racer when I was 14 until I got caught and arrested, but... So you got caught and arrested racing a minivan? Yeah. Dude, has anybody heard this story before? Uh, only the people that were with me. <laughs> what? No way. How are the transmissions in those? In the minivans? Yeah. Shit, terrible. They are, right? Yeah. I, I always wanted the uh, minivan for like rollers to film. They're really good, but those mm-hmm. those are really good uh, vans for rollers, but the transmissions are terrible. Yeah. Nah, I, my mom went through like three of them. Really? Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. So when did you actually get a, a first car like to start racing in? Like? Uh, when I was... 15 years old I picked up uh, an 88 Cavalier and I wanted to make it Cavalier. fast yeah it was like a, a Cavalier too it was a Z24 convertible wow. so <laughs> had like 300,000 miles on it but you know good old American steel that thing just never came apart where did you grow up at uh, Shelton Connecticut Connecticut okay Is street racing big in Connecticut uh, street racing is big in northern Connecticut, like okay. uh, the Berlin Turnpike. There's, uh, I raced there in high school, and there's still to this day a, a bunch of street racers. Wow. That's wild. I wouldn't say it's as big as uh, New York, New Jersey. Right. Um, but there is, there is a big, big following, um, like in the Hartford area. Okay. Okay. So how long were you racing that car? Like when did you start messing around with it? How did you get to start into tuning the car? Um, well... The start in tuning really was with Subarus. So basically, okay. though, 2WX came out, and I was at the street racing spot in Connecticut. It's called the Berlin Turnpike. Okay. And uh, I'll never forget, it was uh, it was in 2002, the WRX first dropped, and I'm sitting at a McDonald's parking lot, and I hear blow-off valves and revving, yeah. and it's a brand-new bug-eye white and a GSX. And at the time, like, GSX was, like, king for imports. I freaking loved that car. Eclipse. Yeah. Okay. Eclipse, yeah. yeah. And uh, I look at my buddy, and I'm just like, that GSX is going to fuck that Subaru up. <laughs> and the bug eye just left this GSX. Really? And ever since then, I was I was I hooked. Yeah, yeah, I fell in love with Subarus. Wow. So 
Um, did you buy one after or? Uh, at the time, I couldn't afford one. It was a okay. dream. But uh, I got out of college five years later, 2007, and uh-huh. I bought a 2007 STI. So and that's the uh, the Hawkeye, right? That's the Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. right. Yeah. That was my favorite year. I mean, look-wise. Look-wise, I agree. It was mine yeah. as well. And it was uh, it was my first brand-new Subaru. I was fresh out of college, and I wanted to race it. Yeah. So um, that is when I started to be interested in tuning. Mm. So you, you started tuning on, on a Subaru platform. Correct. And still oh. to this day. It's, a, this it's day. a big part of my life, yeah. So did you open up a shop and start tuning, or were you like... Nope. Right out of my grandmother's driveway. Really? Yep. Uh, I actually have a friend from California that coached me the first few weeks just yeah. so I didn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't destroy anything right off the rip because <laughs> I couldn't afford to do it again or right. break it or anything. So I had a good friend, uh, Ron Watson. He's from Southern California. So okay. he was on the phone with me probably for the first two or three weeks of me just playing around with my 07 STI. Wow. So a lot, a lot of pointers. He's, he wasn't uh, tuning for work. He was okay. just It was just a passion of his. Right. Kind of like a... Um, a hobby. Yeah. You know, he only tuned his own cars at the time. So he's not, he wasn't like another competing tuner that wouldn't tell mm. you anything. He, he literally just, uh, just shared all the knowledge he had. And, and I was so fascinated. I didn't sleep. It was just like every single day, if I wasn't at work, I was in my car. And if I had a question, I was on the phone with him. Yeah. That's dope. So is there at the time, like for people who want to get into tuning, mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you were looking at? Like, where were you getting your information from outside of, of him mentoring you? Um, so the best thing you could do is get a laptop and a cable, but okay. you need to buy a cheap car that you could afford to break or you don't care okay. too much about. So, like, if somebody wanted to start now, I would say um, not an old, but an old-ish Subaru or, okay. like a, or, or even, like, an all-motor Honda, you know? Um, that's a good, yeah, that's a good start, I feel like, yeah. Get the get the software because you could get software cheap. Open source is free. You know, Honda. I don't Honda, know what it yeah. is today. It's six hundred fifty bucks or eight hundred yeah, like bucks or something like that. I think it was. I yeah. So those are cars that you could start with. You don't need to. Um, you don't need to have an LLC or a company. You could just mm. get the stuff right offline or purchase the stuff, the hardware and the software. And uh, well, hopefully, if you do that, you kind of have a a little knowledge. Right. Um, obviously books and internet and YouTube and all that stuff, but it's just better to have a mentor right. because your questions are answered instantly because there's so much false information. A lot. Also. It's a lot of false so information. So it, it's, it, it's, it's basically get hardware and software, get a cheap car you can afford to break and try to find a mentor. That's, okay. That, that, those are the biggest things. So you were tuning on what platform with the Subaru when you start, when you first started? Open source because it was Open free. Source. Um, you could, anybody could buy uh, Tactrix cables like 160 bucks. Okay. And if you had a, a little, you know, like a cheap laptop from Walmart, right. you could get started for under $300. Wow. So at the time, did you start making money with the, with the tuning or it was just like a hobby, like you were having fun with it? It was pure fun. It wasn't, uh, there, there was no income. It there was, was no me, income. Okay. It was me just learning on my 07 STI. It was just me in the car and uh, obviously my buddy on the phone. And uh, I would say after six to eight months of tinkering with my own car, one of my best friends, uh, Ben, he had an 04 STI. He okay. bought it because he loved my 07. So he let me start tinkering with his car. Right and snowball effect then his friends and then people are just like oh there's a guy in town doing tunes for like 150 bucks you know i was that guy <laughs> i didn't know what to charge because i just loved it it was right. fun it was not for the money so i just started working with as many people as possible and uh, i realized one day 
like why the hell am I working to make someone else rich working seven days a week on a five-day salary I'm like I'm just gonna literally drop this cold turkey I was a mechanical engineer that's what okay. I went to school for I'm just gonna stop cold turkey and pursue this awesome new hobby yeah so you don't have a shop no NCT. no okay so you're doing a lot of mobile stuff correct so were you because I know there's other tuners who like work in shops or like they go to certain shops that have dinos and they work mm-hmm. there a lot um was that what you started doing uh what i started doing was road tuning like right literally right out of my home okay uh, there were forums at that time facebook wasn't as popular as forums right so i would go on forums for subarus nasiak.com and uh i'd be like hey you know i'm free tonight i'm i'm tuning cars if you want here's the address you know yeah. here's my number and you know people would literally show up from in town or even from states over after a few months mm-hmm. of like kind of getting my name out there and uh yeah, man, literally just out of my house. I never had the um, the desire to own brick and mortar. I wanted to be more freelance. Like you wanted the freedom if, to. If you know, if oh, it's cold today. If I was at home and I was bored, I would try to find cars in Florida so that I could work for two or three days and then sit sit at the beach for a day or two afterwards. <laughs> so that was my whole thing. Yeah. Just travel around and use my business to see different different locations and enjoy different locations. Is do you think? tuning is a very i mean we all kind of know but do you think it's a very lucrative business like something that you should really if you play the cards right it's extremely lucrative um you can do well you can make a lot of money but it could also be over like that if you blow up somebody's car or something like that or at first it was people that weren't happy with your work right okay doesn't matter if the car was perfect there's always something to say sometimes you have difficult clients right um so at first that was nerve-wracking but these days in 2023 going into 2024 it's more of government and epa and electric Uh, cars so um as a tuner i'm not really concerned about there's more people saying positive things and obviously the proof is in the pudding i'm always at the track i'm always pushing platforms so that my customers cars are better right um and i'll continue to do that the naysayers and negative guys they don't affect me too too much anymore it's more of uh the uncertainty of what the government's going to do in epa Mm. so and we're in that time right now we're in that time right now and was it was it an issue back in like 09 or around that time or no not at all i mean maybe behind the scenes i I don't i don't know but it was never like nobody was getting in trouble you know for for tuning cars or deleting diesel stuff you know not that i know of at least is that more of a thing in California or is that just it's all more over right it, now? it's all over it's it's more in California it's the most strict in California but yeah. I heard that they were at some shops in Florida which doesn't even do emissions testing so they're all, they're all over damn so this is like this is kind of news to me I'm not gonna lie I didn't, I didn't even know about any of that yeah um it sucks but it's just the time we live in I personally won't stop until I'm dead even if I'm not allowed to tune a customer's car, I right. will always be working with my own cars. I'll always be at the track. I'll always be racing. It is my job. Yeah. You know, it provides me an income. But at the end of the day, it's it's my passion. It's my hobby. Right. And I want to say it's almost an obsession because I just, I literally don't sleep until I hit a goal that I, <laughs> that I, that I put out for myself with cars. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that it speaks for, you know, what you're doing right now too, like with the Super. So um, I, I could definitely see that out of you. So uh, when you're when you're tuning a car, right? How do you become an aggressive tuner or a conservative tuner? Well, it all depends. You could be one or the other, but honestly, have very little knowledge, not knowing what you're doing. Okay. Or you could purposely go aggressive or conservative. Right. 
I typically go towards what the customer wants. Okay. I also try to feel out a customer. Right. Um, not every customer gets the same type of calibration because mm. you could you have somebody that will be like a, a weekend racer, but okay. still their daily driver. Right. You give them multiple maps. You give them a, a semi-aggressive map for the track, a little bit more conservative on the street. But if you have somebody that you know just destroys cars, right. they have a reputation for street racing, not just on the weekends, but every single night, you might want to, their daily map, you might want to set it a little bit more light. Okay. So, um, yeah, street cars, I, I would say maybe result to result. It's a little inconsistent because I try to feel out the customers. I don't want them breaking okay. their cars. Right. So do you think that um, you do a lot of street tuning, right? A lot of street tuning. Okay. So the dyno tuning, is. do you use that to calibrate or is it more of just like for, for numbers? Because I keep hearing that more often. Dyno is convenient and safe. Okay. Right? I don't have to worry about getting pulled over. I don't have to worry about crashing. I have... Um, the shops that I work out of, they yeah. have people that are in charge of strapping the cars that have experience. So it's just like car in, strap, I do my thing, car out, next car. Okay. We're on the street, I'm kind of on my own, I could get pulled over, I could get into trouble. Right. I still do it, I love it. <laughs> and I try to do it as safely as possible. Right. Do you think that it's better to do a, a street tune or, or a versus dyno tune? Like what's more consistent, especially with so, tracks times and stuff like that? In terms of convenience and safety, a dyno tune is, way to go, is the way to go. Unfortunately, really the street is the best okay it's 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 reality because there's so many times and it's inconsistent car to car you could tune a car in the dyno and it could be absolutely perfect right you put it on the street and you're overshooting boost target by three four pounds of boost the car doesn't drive as well as it did on the dyno or as well as i thought it did on the dyno so essentially street tuning is better okay that's what i keep hearing it makes sense though because you're actually in the car you're driving it and there's more factors involved, I believe, as well, right? In terms of traction, things like that, when it comes to actually making sure your car is running consistently. It all depends on the car and the tire. Okay. It's really hard. So, I mean, we have street-tuned um, Supras making near a 1,000 wheel. Right. MK5s. Right. It's so freaking sketch. It's so sketch. It's so dangerous. I typically don't even get in those cars. Um, my buddy Jazz behind us, he's a nut. So I'll put a map in the car and be like, yo, go log this. And he's all happy. He's just like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's blowing tires off at 120 miles an hour and loving it. And I'm just like, all right, man, <laughs> cool. So, so I would rather I'm... tune a Supra on the dyno, to be honest. Because, really? Yeah. I would rather tune a Supra on the dyno because I don't want to be responsible at the end of the day for loading a 900 or 1,000 wheel horsepower map on a car, taking out for a test drive to make sure everything's okay and end up in a ditch. Wow. But Jazz is really good working with cars like that. So I send him out. He's, he's good. <laughs> Just send him out as a person. That's funny. Um, <laughs> so how long were you doing the, the Subaru stuff before you got into a Supra? Uh, I was doing Subaru from, like I said, I really started getting interested in 07, 08, 09. Yeah. I probably started doing it for income in 2009, 2010. And I'm still doing it to this day. Mm-hmm. When the Supra first came out, I wanted to do something different. Because um, at the time, it was 2019, so the EJ had been out for 20-plus years. The FA Motors had been out for five, and I had a ton of records on the 2-liter FA platform for the Subarus. So I wanted something different. I just needed to spice spice up like uh my work life right because everything was repetitive even if i if i caught a subaru you know with a 6870 on it made 900 yeah it was kind of like an everyday type thing it was just normal okay so i wanted to try something different the super came out and i'm just like i don't like the way it looks 
I, I, like, I liked nothing about the car. I just liked the fact that it was a turbo six cylinder, okay. brand new from Toyota. I guess with, you know, obviously the BMW engine. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't like anything about this car, but this is probably going to be an awesome project. Yeah. So I picked one up. And that's what started at August. I think it was August 2019 is when I got mine. And I just, I, I didn't fall in love with the car. I fell in love with the process because it was at first impossible to figure out. I knew nothing. It was like literally starting back in my grandmother's driveway again in 2007. Wow. It's like I tried, I just tried to make a basic fuel table. The car wouldn't fuel, wouldn't do anything I wanted it to do. I'm just like, what the hell? Uh, it was something totally different. Yeah. I was just so used to the same old, same old. I realized like, hey, this is actually awesome. I'm so right. interested in this and it's going to kick my ass. And that's why <laughs> I loved it because I love challenges. That's cool. I mean, it seems like you have that competitive kind of, I don't know if you competitive, but you're just very ambitious, especially when you have a world's fastest car. I feel like that's kind of thing. I would honestly say ambitious, but even more so competitive. Right. It's. It, I feel like any any anybody who's in like the the drag racing kind of you know culture is that's mm -hmm. part of your nature. Yeah, it has to be. So I don't want to skip over the Subaru stuff and just jump right into the Super stuff because I'm sure you're known for tuning and having records on the Subaru platform, right? Mm -hmm. So what were the, some of the records you had? Right off the rip, I think it was year one or or, or year two. Um, I had a buddy from uh, South Jersey, mm -hmm. Cherry Hill area, uh, James W. He had a 2004 uh, WRX, okay. and at the time it was uh, it was my buddy uh, Junior is also a very well known Subaru tuner, probably one of the best tuners uh, in the country, if not the planet, for Subaru. Wow! And he had a car running like a 12:48 in the quarter mile. Okay. And I'm just like, at this point, I hardly have any idea what I'm doing, but I'm just like, man, we're gonna beat this. Yeah. And we went to the track, went to Atco in Englishtown a few times. And I think within like three or four times of the track, trial and error, uh, we actually beat the time. We, we, we got a 12.38 or a 12.39 or something like that. I don't remember yeah. the exact time. But that was the first time I ever was the fastest at something. And that right. was year one, year two. Now I'm hooked. Now I'm just like, fuck, this is awesome. Like, I want to do this every day. Yeah. You know, like I, I hardly knew anything and I was still able to get a car to go faster than any other car in its class. And at that point, people were actually drag racing Subarus at the track. So it wasn't just like there was three or four of them. Yeah. There was a whole there was a whole forum with hundreds and thousands of cars actually wow. drag racing. And it's expensive to build those cars, too, right? Historically, it's expensive and it's not reliable. With right. the new technology and huge companies like IAG and, and Prime Motoring, um, they're kind of forefronting like new motors for the cars and new head gaskets and new techniques of, right. of engine building. Um, eight, nine hundred horsepower isn't unheard of now to be semi-reliable. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> excuse me. I've never personally made over a thousand in a Subaru. Um, a thousand is like the, the most I've ever made. Yeah. But there's I mean. Uh, my buddy Junior has one car. I think his name is CJ. And I yeah. think make like fourteen hundred or sixteen hundred on the dyno, and that's just crazy. Damn. You know, I don't know how many passes that's good for, but the reliability has come a long way. And I I still love the cars. I still love the cars. I have one. I have a six hundred horsepower WRX right now, <laughs> just like a fun a fun little toy, you know. So do you think that? they're only expensive more so because of the reliability of them because people continue to yeah so you know you you have the typical build which is probably around 25 to thirty thousand if you want to make between 700 and 900 okay and uh 
if any steps are missed, if people cheap out, they buy right. the wrong parts, um, inevitably it doesn't last long. And then you have to do it again. Right. And that's when it starts becoming expensive. It's not the first time per se. Um, it's the second time, the third time. Mm. You know, now you're into a $30,000 car for right. $100,000, you know, if, if you break it enough. And you're like, why? At, at the end, most people who aren't in the industry and they're doing it for pleasure, they're yeah. just like, why the hell did I just do that? Why did I do $100,000 on a Subaru? Why did I do that? Yeah. Personally, I think that's awesome, but it's also my, my industry, my job. Right. You know, it's a, it's a, it's fun. It's a write-off. I love it. So I'm, I'm going to do that. But for <laughs> an enthusiast, it's kind of yeah. ridiculous. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Got to make both sense and sense at some point. Build it once, build it right. So what were the, what were the, uh, the uh, common problems with that, with that motor? Rod bearings. Rod bearings. Rod bearings uh, in the two liter WRXs after like 80,000 miles. Yeah. And then in 07, rod bearings and pistons. They would just, they would fail. Like I, I'd have sub thousand mile cars come into the dyno and I'd have to turn them away because they, they already had a bottom end noise. Brand new cars. So it had nothing to do with oil at all? The, the oil pickup design, or I'm sorry, the oil pickup itself in a Subaru motor typically gets clogged, but not right out of the dealer. Okay. You know, it, takes, it takes a couple thousand miles. So what's the, because I know a lot of people um, with the new, I think it's the BRZ, the FRS, the newer ones? The new FA24 and the WRX and the BRZ are getting clogged. The pickups are actually getting clogged. Yeah, so I'm hearing a lot of people, um, I actually know people who have had replacements straight out of Toyota, like maybe yep. like a thousand miles and their yep. motors are blown. Uh, it's slightly different issue. Back then, I think it was just like inconsistency on bear on bearing clearances. Okay. Um, now it's more of like a, a, a RTV, I guess, gets built up in the in the pickup tube. I know at six thousand miles, my WRX was like twenty five percent clogged, which wow. is not good. It's not the end of the world, but yeah. making six hundred horsepower would have been the end of right. the world very very quickly. Right. Damn, that's crazy, and it sucks because this this is like. It's like one of those cars, FRS, a lot of people have it. It's a very popular, like, or a BRZ. It's a very popular car. But the problem is, it's like, you kind of know when you get that car, you're not going to do anything with the motor or make any crazy powers or power. Fantastic track cars, like circuit cars. Yeah. They're fun. I don't really do the autocross thing anymore. I, I used to, like, in high school and college just for fun. But in terms of, like, road racing, yeah, great, great budget, like, brand new right. budget uh, circuit car. They're so much fun. So... With the Supra, right? You started tuning the Supra. When did you start to figure it out? When did you, when did you feel like you were finding your way with the Supra, the Mark V Supra? Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, okay, so I tried to come out hard like I did with the Subaru. Like I wanted, yeah. I wanted to, um, I wanted to make an impact on the community right off the rip. So I saw uh, Titan was in the tens, Visconti was in the tens. Um, there was a guy in the in Puerto Rico. I forget the shop, but he was almost in the nines, and I just took delivery of the car, so I had a lot of work to do. Yeah, and uh, put on the dyno with 17 miles on it, got a baseline, went to work, and I could just not get the car right. 17 miles? Yeah, 17 miles. I don't break. It. Listen, if you buy a uh, if you buy anything, if you're an enthusiast, you like driving your car hard. There's no thousand mile break in. You know, three four oil changes. You get in it and you go. There's not one car I bought brand new off the dealership floor where I'm just like, oh my god, I have to, I have to just twelve hundred miles. Have to be careful how much throttle I give it. I see these guys talking about it all the time. I'm like guys, drive it how you want to drive it. I've had a lot of success 
you know, my 07 STI motor, my stock motor, yeah. it should have been dead in 5,000 miles with what I was doing to it. It lasted 60,000 because I beat the crap out of it right yeah. off the rip. <laughs> That's what you should do with any sport car. Okay. I, I mean, I agree. Um, a lot of people who are actual, you know, a real enthusiasts believe the same thing. Um, but I mean, is it one of those things that's like, do you really know if that's true or not? It's just what I've always done. It's, it's all it's I more know. of a personal. Do you think it's more of a personal kind of experience situation? Yeah. And I mean, I've seen people, matter of fact, my buddy, Dan, he babied his, his, uh, 2000, I yeah. believe it was 2015 or 16 STI brand new babied it for a thousand miles, mm-hmm. spun a rod bearing at 1100 miles. Damn. I told him, I'm like, man, you should have just right off the rip. Is there just, any, just any science it. behind that? I don't have I don't have any data to no. support it. No. I let and that's the whole thing. I literally just have experience to to support that. I don't have any data to say if if breaking in a motor correctly is right or wrong. But I'll tell you one thing. My last super motor made 1250 wheel horsepower and it was only rated for about 1100. That was literally 100 miles, 100 miles of 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 dyno and yeah. oil change and then just go. 1250 horsepower down the track and made 3 300 something passes before I had to rebuild it. Damn, I think I think well I, I meant more soul science and like, um, because I know, I think I don't know if I was talking about it yesterday, but um, something about you should you should, like, drive your car aggressively when you first get the car, just just because of the uh, the ring so they can seat. Correct. Correct. So is that especially if it's a boosted car? Right. You want to seat the rings immediately. That's why I don't understand why there are break-in procedures for boosted cars right out of the factory. Hmm. Um. If, if anything, and I believe BMW used to do this with uh, some M cars, is uh, you can only see a certain power level on RPM for like a certain amount of miles, 500 or 1,000 miles, right. and then it'll give you all of it. I think like the old M5 or M6 was like that. So I, I agree with something like that, but yeah. you, sh- you shouldn't uh, baby a car. You shouldn't baby a car brand new right off the rip or, or, a, or a new motor right off the rip. Love it. Love it. Love the conversation we're having right now. So after the 17 miles, you started, you got on the dyno. What was next after that? So you, you, you said there was guys running tens, right? Yeah. Guy in Puerto yep. Rico running tens. Yep. Um, and then at that point you had put it on the dyno and started, you know, making your attempt to go for a record as well. Right. And I, I wanted to get to the track that weekend and be in the tens with everybody else. Yeah. It did not happen. Oh, it didn't? It, it did not happen. Um, I couldn't. I, I was using MHD at the time. And, okay, that's um, what you started with. That's the platform you started with. Correct. Okay. And I wasn't an MHD tuner, so I had I had uh, friends behind me, um, from Connecticut and Florida, uh, David Shoup from Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm. and Doug Newton. Doug Newton's from Connecticut. Okay. Uh, and those guys, as well as another guy, Chris Burgill, he's from Pennsylvania. He owns C, uh, CB Tuning. They were all giving they were all providing me tables like i wasn't an mhd tuner i didn't have a software like they were they were actually um trying to decode dcu and give okay. me tables at the time right so as soon as they got me a different table i'd start working on it log the car with hp tuners see if anything changed um it was like a a real rough way of tuning the car so i thought i was going <laughs> to just jump right in turn the boost up let's go it was not like that at all uh, I failed miserably night after night. I think the first the first week I had over 83 or 84 flashes on the car. What? Yeah. Um, finally made like Dino 350. I finally made like 390. Okay. And I went out for my first real street test, like to put it to the to the test. Throttle was closing and limp mode, and I'm just like, what is causing this? Yeah. Like, I don't understand what the hell is going on. 
uh, I think it was three months later of nonstop every single night till three, four in the morning, you know, with my buddies just feeding me tables, trying to figure it out collectively, that I made a, a clean pass at like 400 horsepower. Wow. And then I'm just like, all right, it's go time. I'm, yeah. I'm going to put race gas in the car and I'm going to go to the track and run tens. Well, I put race gas in the car, went to the track and ran like high 11s. And I'm like, what am I missing? How the hell is there somebody in Puerto Rico going like 10-1 right now? Yeah. And how is AMS and Viscani and Titan going like 10-6, 10-7 right now? And right. I'm seconds behind. What are they doing? Like, yeah. How the hell do you tune these cars? You know, so I felt very behind. But that feeling of, of being behind, right. I'm just like, I'm going to figure this out. And I'm going to make sure my super is the fastest. So how long after was this, was this process for you? from when you got the car until that point? I would say three to four months. Three to four months. And there was already, they were already in the tens? Three yep. to four months after? They had wow. their cars before I did. Okay. Yep, okay. they had their cars before I did. So when did you finally crack the code and kind of, did you did you do it with MHD still? Or did you? MHD. Okay. okay. I continued to work with MHD until Ecutech came out. And I don't remember what the timeline was, but it was probably a solid year. Solid on, year. On MHD. Right. So. I finally started making the car work um, when I was able to obtain more tables. I don't know anything about decoding or reverse engineering. I'm, right. I'm not that guy. I would like to learn in the future, like in my spare time, because yeah. I'm interested in it. I just haven't. Um, so I finally had a, a, a nice library of tables, and I was able to start making things happen. Um, but I didn't quite understand the logic yet. You know, like I was basically just finding a table and just lifting it. Or, right. or decreasing it is, is, you know, by like 25% or 50%, slightly large percentages, just to see if any difference was made. Yeah. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. But I just, I had no table descriptions, you know, so it was just, I see numbers and I'm just changing things around. Obviously, you could tell what's fuel and timing, but there's right. so much more than cam timing, fuel, ignition timing in these cars. So um, what were some of the things that you had on the Supra when you were doing this? When I was doing this, I had a Catless downpipe. I'm trying to remember what my first round of mods were. I think it was a Catless downpipe, and at the time, I think CTS was making an intake for it. I don't know if they okay. do it anymore, but I had, yeah, I think it was a CTS intake, uh, Catless downpipe, and then uh, that was my first round of mods, and then I put meth on quickly afterwards, probably like month five, I put, I put meth on. Yeah. Do you think that um, intakes help with performance when it comes to these cars? Not at all. Nah, it's just. Um, I will say this, you um, clever marketing. So you have a car in the dyno with no intake. Uh, say it's just a downpipe car on ninety. Okay. Right. And you make four hundred twenty-five wheel horsepower. Right. Then you put an intake on on the dyno, and the car makes like four thirty-five, four forty. And you're like, wow, picked up power. Well, it picked up power because the hood's open, and you have an open filter. All you had to do was open the stock air filter and you'd have picked up that 15 horsepower, 15, 20, 10, whatever it was. <laughs> so on the dyno, you could show gains, but on the street, there's no gains because, uh, you know, a dyno is blowing 20, 30, 40 mile an hour worth of air and the street's giving you one to one. You're going, yeah. one, you know, one mile an hour of, of air forced in for every one mile an hour that you're driving. Right. Which is what, which is what the car actually needs for, yeah. for um, an accurate power output. So no, they don't. If you want to see if an intake makes a difference, you go to the track and you see if you pick up mile an hour trap speed, you know, with a relatively right. similar 60 foot, they, they, they don't pick up any power. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's been a, a thing where it's more for aesthetics 
you know? It, it looks good. I, yeah. I mean, I, I still had one. Right. I didn't really have any, like, uh, better results at the track with one. Right. But it sounds good, too. Honestly, like, no, I'm, I'm, I don't typically, I'm not into, like, ricer sounds. Like, I don't like pops <laughs> and bangs or any of that stuff. But it, it sounds good. It sounds like an induction sound. Like, right. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So, if you want to do, I mean, it's cheap enough. Just, you know, for the sound, 300 bucks or whatever they're worth. I would I would do it again if I had yeah. a car. I mean, some I of them were pretty car. pricey. A lot of the parts for, for the Super in the beginning were pretty pricey, just because when it, when something launches, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of there's not too many parts available. So at that point, it's like they were charging like I think like some of the intakes were like fifteen hundred bucks for an intake. I think it was. Oh, the even Turi. Yeah, like those are like uh, I think Armor Speed made one, MST. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind like of familiar with those. Yeah, those were like around like seven eight hundred bucks, I believe. I don't remember. Don't don't uh don't judge me, but no, they were pricey. Good. It wasn't like a hundred dollars or hundred and fifty bucks like back in the Honda days, where it was like you can get an intake for cheap from like AutoZone or something like that, and it works good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a lot it's a lot of it's a lot different now because there's a lot more products available when it comes to the Supra. Things are much cheaper. Um, so what about a downpipe, right? Do you think that having a certain price downpipe makes a difference? Because I see a lot of downpipes are priced for like a thousand dollars. A thousand dollar downpipes typically have a catalytic converter in it. Okay. Which which alone is six to eight hundred bucks probably. Hmm. Um, so if you're just talking downpipe to downpipe, catalyst to catalyst, right? No one makes any more power. If you're a brand name guy and you want something baller, you'll get like a I don't know like an AMS downpipe or something like that for much more than uh, just like a generic Chinese bought downpipe. The the material may not be as quality, but they make the exact same power, and you're probably not going to own the car long enough to see your downpipe rot away. So what is a price range for at least for a Supra mm-hmm. where you feel like it's like okay it makes sense to spend like where you're not going to get any more performance or anything anything's going to be different if you're spending $1,200 for a downpipe or either 300 I, well, spent mine, I spent 300 bucks on mine if you spend $1,200 on a downpipe with a cat you're going to make less than the guy that spends $300 on a downpipe with no cat okay so what about catless because some guys are getting catless downpipes as well for pretty pricey um it's, it all depends if you're a brand name guy or if you just support a brand and you appreciate that brand. Like if your whole car is AMS, you you know, you have gotcha. all nice or Boost Logic parts, or something or like Boost that. Or Boost Logic, yeah. Um, but if you just want to go fast, like honestly, I don't have a downpipe that I that I preach to anybody. Right. There's just, it just, they all make the same power if they're catless. Any difference between if it's a, a bigger downpipe? Not on the stock turbo. Not on the stock turbo. No. So that's more I, for higher horsepower. Like I, on paper, it should make less torque, right? Right. With, with a with a much larger diameter downpipe on the stock right. turbo, it, all the same. All the same stuff. At least from what I've seen on the dynos at home. So going back to your your, you know, experience with the car and trying to break the record, what was next for you at that point? Like so, when did you actually start to figure things out? I went to Lebanon Valley Dragway. Okay. And I made a pass, still mid elevens. This this was right before I got the methanol, so probably month okay. four, month five, elevens um, limp mode, elevens limp mode. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had my my ex girlfriend at the time. She's just like, let me drive the car. I'm just like, this is pointless. I'm like, well, well, like I can't figure it out. How are you gonna figure it out? You've never even drag raced before. She went ten eight, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Your girl, so your ex girl is is the one who actually like broke the record or not broke the record? No, but there she was got no. Yeah, tens. there was no r- broken records at the time. But she got you in a ten. She made my tune work somehow with her right foot, and I'm just like, do it again. I'm just like, there's no way. It was luck. She yeah. did it again, and I'm just like, I have to figure out what I just did to make the car work. 
And you're driving it from now on because obviously this, this just worked. What? That is so, crazy. So it was that day when I actually started figuring out the car on MHD. So then we went back on methanol two weeks later right. and went 10.6. Mm. And then a couple weeks later, we went back on, on uh, methanol and MS-109 and went 10.4. Do you enjoy running meth? Like, do you feel like it's like a, like a safe way to make power and get into those numbers? On certain platforms. This is direct injection, right? So Correct. I heard it was better to run meth on direct injection. Um, well, motors. it's not just direct injection cars like... If, uh, For cleaning purposes. If a Subaru owner says, hey, I want to run methanol. Yeah. Absolutely not. Get that out of your car. Like, if if it just hiccups for a second, yeah. you're going to lose the motor. Whereas these cars have so many built-in safeties. Okay. And, and since they're, you know, air to water, they run hotter. Right. So these cars need methanol. They need mm. some kind of methanol. I have always ran methanol up and still even to this point i still run like a 500 cc jet of methanol in my car as is oh, right wow now. um they need it even with an ice box and all the cooling in the world yeah. you should you should still have it on this platform so if you run that um is there a fail safe on the actual car or the system that you're using for both. meth both in my in in my case i don't have a safety i just have a basic aem kit okay but i have certain safeties set up for if a fuel trim goes too out of whack it'll immediately boot me back down to wastegate pressure so okay so you're good then like yeah you could do it through the ecu you don't need to buy um an intricate methanol kit okay like an old aquamist type kit where right. it was like people couldn't even figure out how to make them work right because they were so intricate right? yeah so basic am meth kit and let this very uh smart dme do the rest with your custom mapping how much um like what are the number differences when you're running meth as opposed to not running it on the super if you tune a 93 downpipe yeah. B58, uh, say a two-port car, and you make 420 horsepower, okay, no extra tuning at a 500cc jet, let the ECU just take the fuel out itself with no extra tuning, you'll pick up 20 to 30 horsepower. Wow. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty good. It's significant, and then <laughs> obviously more. It's it more when you when you actually tune for it, and obviously. Right. You should and have to tune. For, you should and have to tune for it. Right. Um, but yeah, if you're just on, like we've done on the dyno, where we're just turn the meth kit on and it's instant 20, 30 horsepower. Damn. I never knew that. I was so scared. I wanted to stay away. A lot of people like that too. They don't want. They don't even want to touch meth. Are you on MHD or boot mod right I'm now? I'm on MHD right now. Yes. I don't know enough because I haven't used it since the first year. But I'm sure there's some way to implement the safety if if the methanol was to was to fail or or. I wouldn't even know, honestly, but um, I'm sure they're working on it. Yeah, um, I, I don't know enough. Yeah. I mean, I, w I would like to switch to a different platform, but, you know, I think I'm not even in that. Ecutech. Ecutech. Yeah. <laughs> Ecutech. So speaking on, on Ecutech, um, you have to, you there's no OTS mask for Ecutech, right? There, uh, there is not. You have to find a tuner that'll, that will actively make them or, or have them. So you were on MHD mm -hmm. with an unopened, like you had a stock motor, basically. Correct. So... Did you switch when you built the motor or you continued to use MHD after you no, started No, I, so I used MHD, like I said, probably for the first solid year. And uh, we got to the point after we ran 10.4, yeah. um, I, I wanted to go a little bit more aggressive with the car. I had no idea if the motor was strong or not. I had no idea what kind of pistons were in the motor. Okay. But I'm just like, well, shit, I want to go nines now. There's a guy in Puerto Rico going nines. I want to be the first car stateside that goes nines. No clue on how I'm going to get there. Yeah. Zero clue. But I'm going to do it. Right. Um, so then we put a nitrous kit in. And the car would just freak out. 
I couldn't get nitrous to work. Every single time. <laughs> every every single time I hit that button, the car would just go limp. Oh, um, wow. So then I talked to my buddies who were helping provide me tables. Yeah. And they started finding some more torque limiter stuff. Um, and uh, I forgot. Doug Doug fi- finally found me a table. Uh, I think it was uh, some kind of compressor map. I, I forget. It was so long ago, four years ago or whatnot. But um, now I was able to start getting nitrous to work. Okay. You know? And le- this was a team effort. This just wasn't me because I had no resources. I needed right. these guys to help me to yeah. do this. So it was it was a group effort, 100%. Um, so now in the dyno on a 35 shot, my 500 horsepower downpipe car is now somehow like 560. Damn. And we put a 50 shot in. And I'm just like, damn, almost 600. Let's go see if it works at the track. Yeah. It, it didn't. Limp mode every pass. <laughs> So I think it was two or three track days where I finally said, you know what? Screw this. I don't quite understand what's going on. I'm going to turn the boost down from like 25 pounds down to all the way to like 18. Yeah. Spray it with a 50 and maybe we'll touch a 9.9. The second I did that, 9.96, 136. 9.96. And I celebrated like I was a kid in a candy store. Dude, I'd, I'd be on happy MHD. Too. On MHD. On MHD stateside. Yeah, it was the first car stateside to go nines. So after that, you um, decided, like, I want to go more aggressive. Like, you don't even know what the limitations are on the stock uh, motor, and you had a stock turbo, right? Yep. Yeah. So you could have pushed it more, but you just didn't know. Well, no. Now now comes more push. So okay. now, now, now I'm just like, well, shit, I want to go faster. So we put a 100 shot on it and shipped the car to Orlando because it was in the middle of winter. Okay. And went 9.7 at 143 with a hundred shot in the stock turbo, which is impressive. But by today's standards, like what myself and my team have accomplished, we could do so much better. We almost do that all boost now on, on a stock turbo Supra with full bolt guns. Okay. So what's, if you have a stock turbo Supra, mm-hmm. what are like, what's the most you can make and what are the track times looking like ET times? It depends on DA. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what track were you at? I always tested at Atco, okay. Orlando, Bradington, uh, initially in, right. in the beginning years. Okay. So always, always see level tracks, mm-hmm. and you always try to find uh, the best, the the best DA. Like, okay. There's no if, if you're not testing something new or a new technique, and you're literally just trying to make a car go faster. There's no point to go out if the DA is going to be two thousand on Tuesday when it's going to be five hundred on Friday. There's just yeah. no point. Right. And and just I don't know. It's personal preference. Right. If you're testing something, that's another, that that's another story. If, yeah. you're, if you're testing, the DA doesn't matter. You're just trying to make a new method, technique, part work. Right. So, um, do we have numbers or? Oh, we have numbers. So let's let's call it let's call it a thousand DA. Let's okay. call it in a, a C level track. Right. Give me the setup. I'll give you I'll give you what the car can do and what it needs to do it. Oh, okay. All right. So you uh, have a downpipe. Okay. Um, and you're you were an MHD, right? Correct. MHD. Are we, talking, are we talking beginning standards or, or today's standards? I beginning, w- because that's the most... That Usually when people get a Supra, they want to know, like, what should I do to my car to make it go fast? What do I need? I mean, kind of I mean, four years ago number, like four years ago. The numbers from four years ago or the number from today? Like, what what could to- you expect if you buy a brand new car right now today? Right. Okay. Because the numbers years ago were so skewed, but I could pretty yeah. much give you exactly what the car could do. Yeah, because those are the common questions that um I see a lot. What platform should I go with? Um, and how much can I make on a downpipe? Do I need a stock turbo? A lot of people are running Pure hundreds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if, you know, you can run a stock turbo and get into the nines. 
but you did with, with absolutely access, 100% possible. Okay, so you can run a stock turbo and get into the nines. All boost. All boost. All boost. How, how many, uh, so how much PSI can the stock turbo hold, you think? Uh, the stock turbo could make about 34 PSI. 34. Completely irresponsible, ridiculous, dan <laughs> dangerous, uh, right up my alley. Not my customer's alley, yeah. not the daily guys, but right. up, up my personal alley. Like, I love pushing things, so... Um, the 340 behind us, that's my M340. The first day I had it on the street, I, I, this is what I wanted to do because I'm kind of ridiculous. Let's lock the wastegate shut at 100% and just see how much boost the stock turbo M340 will make. It made 34. I'm like, okay, we know now. So you don't know <laughs> how many passes you can get out of the, out of the stock turbo. Oh, yeah. it's still it's still on 32, 33, and it probably has, I don't know, 30 passes on it right now. 30 passes? Mm -hmm. So it's probably, you don't even know 100% if that's where the limit is. No, like it won't make anymore. Oh, it won't make it just, anymore. It, it okay. physically okay. cannot spin. Like I'm talking in like 1,000 DA once again for an example. Got you. Okay, okay. It will not spin any. Like you just, you cannot make any more boost than 34 so PSI. So it's 100% maxed out. Yeah, At that point, it's out. not even. So you, at that point, when it goes, it goes. Because you don't even know. You're already at the yeah. limit, basically. Yeah, I mean, the turbo, turbo brakes, turbo brakes. It's not a yeah. customer's turbo. It's my own turbo. Right, it's your so. own turbo. Yeah. Right, right. So... At those numbers, what it, what can you run at the track? Uh, Supra or 340? Uh, well, Supra, Supra. Okay, so let's start with the downpipe Supra, right? Okay. A 93. Uh, a really high 10.9, 11.0. What about with ethanol? With E30. ethanol. Uh, or E50. Yeah, E50. I've never actually raced a stock turbo car in E30, so I, don't even, I can't okay. even give an accurate number there. Um, this OTS, that's why, because people, you know, if they want to run an OTS MHD, then that's probably what they have an option to do. F full weight car with a tire on E50 and just a downpipe, 1035, 1038. 1035. About 130, okay. 131 miles an hour. So what would I need in order to get into the nines? Uh, Accutech. <laughs> Wait, how? how? <laughs> you serious? Yeah. So all I got to do is get Accutech and a downpipe. Accutech, downpipe, and methanol. And meth. You you need meth. You cannot do it without without methanol. You, you need, can't you with methanol. the stock turbo. You're with saying. the stock turbo. Okay. Why is that for cooling? cooling because purposes? you're you're, okay. you're pushing the shit out of a small turbo, so there's a ton of heat and back pressure. Right. So the engine needs some kind of relief. You know, you need to, you need to cool things down. Does ethanol cool the motor down? Yeah, that the com the combustion temps go down with ethanol, and ethanol okay. also has a higher octane, but you still need meth. Meth is gotcha. much cooler. Much cooler. It, yep, it brings charge temps down significantly. Gosh, shoot. Okay, so meth is what I need in order to get into the nines on a stock turbo Supra with Accutech. Correct. That's it. Correct. All right, so that, that's pretty pricey, though, because now I'm getting meth and Accutech. You need meth, Accutech, and you need a good, good wheel tire. Okay, so if you have MHD, is there any luck? I went nine nine, not knowing what I'm, not knowing what I was doing. Right. So I would hope a very experienced MHD tuner could do the same. Yeah. Today, four years later. Wow. And I'm not joking. I literally had the most basic knowledge of the car, and I still didn't quite understand. Right. Certain things because you, I couldn't. You couldn't see certain data back then. You couldn't see fuel limitations. Right. Obviously, you could see high pressure fuel pumps drop pressure. Right. But you couldn't see, uh, like, we log things called reasons, like mm. cylinder limit, uh, cylinder fill limit reasons. Right. So Ecutech tells us what limiter we're hitting, and we reference it numerically to an actual okay. limiter. 
Okay, okay. We didn't yeah. have that back then, so it was just like, why is the car dropping, you know, target load and target boost? We had no idea. There was no way to tell. Well, do you know how much money, you, um, how much money, how much power you were making at 9.9 when you ran the 9.9? Yeah, it was, uh, I actually remember the last Dino Pass when it went 9.9. It was 587 or 88 wheel horsepower. It was high 580s um, when I went 9.9. But the car that went... Nine seven, or I'm sorry, nine eight, all boost. My yeah. buddy uh, John Cardona from Miami. Uh, I mean, his car was making five thirty five, five forty. We just it, it just new techniques, yeah. you know, um, new tuning strategies, perfect shift points. You know, every single gear should have a different shift point, and you should be manually shifting it right at that shift point. Now with MH, now with um, XHP, you could obviously call out shift points, but you didn't have XHP in the beginning. No, though. that just came no. out. I think last year, I believe, for uh, the Super, right? Correct. It was a year or two ago when it came out, and uh, I don't even think I started using it at yeah. first. Um, but the platform was already at least in the mid eights without it, maybe even the low eights. I don't remember. I might have been right. going to twenty or thirty before I even flashed the transmission. So when you built the motor, um, what were some of the like issues you ran into? At especially trying to get to those lower times um I'm trying to remember after we went nine actually you know what after we went nine seven I'm just like okay I'm probably asking for it yeah. with a with hundred shot so yes I did send uh, I did send the car out to um, uh, a gentleman named Gasan okay. out in Oklahoma BMW builder mm -hmm. uh, nobody was building the engines at that point so right um, it was actually really cool. It was a cool build experience, something I've never done before. He invited us out. He gave us, he's on this big property in Oklahoma. Okay. And he gave us like a whole RV on the middle of his property. So we stayed there for a week and actually watched the entire car process? be, the whole process, the car be disassembled. Like the whole front end of the car was gone. The motor was in a million pieces. What? So we got to watch literally firsthand the entire That's disassembly, crazy. assembly, motor in go put it on the dyno and that's another thing that was the first built motor it literally was built in the garage went right on the dyno did was it built before papadakis uh i, I don't remember he had he was like the first one i remember seeing doing like a super build i don't remember i'm gonna say he was probably first to, to okay. everything he was in terms drifting of, though he, yeah. it was a drift yeah it wasn't for yeah exactly. i don't remember the timeline but he was probably probably the first one with the built motor in one of these cars okay so then at that point you were like the first one who was like at the track trying to go for times yeah. with the motor. Yeah. So at the time you didn't have a, cause I heard you had a three, two. Uh, that was a three choker. Okay. So it's a three Oh, that was a three Oh. Yep. Did you, now you were running uh two port, two port, everything. Yep. Is there a difference between two port and six port? Yes. Uh, big difference in terms of back pressure. Okay. Um, so I'll give you the same numbers I gave you the other day. Right. You have a two port and a six port stock turbo car with the same exact bolt-ons, right? There's going to be hardly a difference. You make a little bit more on the six port on pump gas. Okay. E50, they make exact same power, exact same torque. Okay. You jump up to a pure 800 and you set them both on kill. They're both on 42 to 45 pounds, which sounds ridiculous, but it can be done for short right. periods of time. Um, and you'll make 30 to 40 horsepower more. You'll make, I've made 780 on a pure 800 six port. You mean how much? 780. 780. Yeah. E-Canoe's car. E-Canoe has two Supras. His blue With one has a Pure 800. No, the pink one makes the big power. Okay. The blue one has a Pure 800. That car made 780 on 43 or 44 pounds of boost. Wow. On a Pure 800. Dude. That's um, wild. So there's a 30 to 40 horsepower difference uh, with a Pure 800. 
you kick it up to a 64, 66. The yeah. six port will make about 60, 70 more. You kick it up to a 68, 70. The six port will make about 100 more. Um, 68, 70s are like my typical thing. Yeah. The two port cars with the right mods touched by the right people make about 920, 930. Six port cars make 1020, 1030. Six on, on what, what turbo? 6870. There's about 100 horsepower between a two port and a six port, both set up identically. Is there a different um, hot side you can run to get you know faster spool times or anything like that? Does it make a difference? We like the, we like the 1.15 because it's just, I mean, even on a, on a two port three liter car, it just, it slams at 4,000, 4,000, 4,200. You're just, in, your power band's huge. Yeah. You have, you have almost 3,000 RPM of power band out of that turbo. Right. And you're making low 900 to low thousand on that turbo. Wow. It is the still the best turbo for the platform for a car you're going to drive spiritedly every day. Um, is it twin scroll? The uh, turbo? It, it depends on the kit. Okay. So it does that make a difference kit. in terms of... It does. It does. You should, ha you should have a twin, a twin scroll. scroll. Yep. Okay. You, so, now, there's, there's budget builds, and I understand that. Yeah. But if you want to do it the right way, twin scroll is the way to go. Now, does this apply for um, the, the Gen 1? B58s as well? Or this is just like, because you're on the Supra, obviously. Like, so I don't have much different. Gen 1 experience. I probably tuned about 10 of them tops. Oh, so you don't do um, a lot of But I, it, it's, it's going to be the same thing. The thing with uh, what I see, the thing what I see with the Gen 1 guys is they're still hooked on like typical old BMW ways. And right. what we did with the Gen 2 cars and like, you know, there's GTR tuners coming into the platform, Subaru tuners coming into the platform. We use Honda tuners coming into the platform. Right. We use prior knowledge on other platforms that are working better than just like the old school BMW mm. mentality. So, so when you had this motor built, right? Mm -hmm. What were you running after that with the setup? <coughs> Excuse me. So we had the motor built. We switched over to Accutech, uh, put it on the dyno, literally ran the car in the shop after the motor was built, dropped the oil, oil change, dyno. Um, first pass it was my first time tuning a, a car like a, a b58 yeah uh of that caliber right um so put on the dyno uh wastegate made like 550 okay and i'm just like wow that's pretty good that was only yeah. 22 pounds of boost this turbo kicks ass i didn't think it was gonna spool like this <laughs> um second pass 650 third pass 800 fourth pass 900 fifth pass 920 at the time i don't think i'd ever even crested 700 on a car yet i think it was still like in the mid sixes what? high sixes like 675 i think yeah. it was. so i'm just like holy crap i'm just like this motor this turbo this software i look at my logs throttles wide open fuel trims are beautiful i'm like wow this kicks ass right like this is going to be a problem at the same time that i did all that we built the transmission with level 10 level 10 mm -hmm. it was the only people building the train building pretending to build i was gonna the say level 10 Hold yeah. on. <laughs> pretending to build the transmission and you know i don't talk negatively about any companies unless there's data to support it we've chris miller's opened so many transmissions of mine and personal friends yeah that have never even been opened before but they were supposedly built right um so what i'm getting at is now i'm hype I got a built motor, built trans. Yeah. Uh, it's the first time I've ever done anything like this personally. Right. So we shipped the car from Oklahoma to, Fort, to Florida. Okay. It's time to be the first one in the eights. No one's even close. I'm just like, I have this in the bag. Like this is yeah. happening this weekend. We get to the track. I do a test pass. The car won't even shift second. Second is flaring. 
I can make a stock transmission today take that kind of power in right. second and third gear. Transmission flared, done. I had to pull over to the side, broken. At 900 horsepower, you're making nine, 920? 920. Yeah, 920 horsepower, 910 torque. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So now we've spent all this money. You know, we took off from work, went to Oklahoma, waited for the car to be built, then shipped it from Oklahoma to Florida. Yeah. Flew to Florida, thought we had everything in the bag. Like everything was figured out. The car shifted, like on the dyno. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, this is going to be epic. Right. Because I think at the time, the fastest car, I don't know if it was me back then. It might have been uh, Norris Preunto. Uh, it was probably like mid nines. Actually, yeah. you know what? No, it was my buddy Chris I tuned back in Jersey. He went 9.5. He was the fastest car on the platform at the okay. time. Um, I told him not to, but he put 100 shot in his 600 horsepower car and went 9.5. Oh, shit. Um, so we go to Florida, transmission, grenades, first pass. And uh, we run Florida. To, we support our guys at Florida 2K. Yeah. And we go home. Well, I'm literally in the air. JetBlue has Wi-Fi. I get on my Wi-Fi because I'm bored. Titan went eights. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, robbed out of nowhere. Titan wasn't even, like, they weren't even anywhere at the time. I think they right. were still, like, in the tens or something. Maybe nines. Yeah, I, mean, don't, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they took it. And I was, like, heartbroken. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to be the first of the sevens. <laughs> and then the journey really started yeah, right then and there. That's crazy. Yeah. So you just said, fuck the eights. Just going to go right to the right to the sevens. Yeah, we we uh, Miller. That's when Miller started building the transmissions. Like, OK, like literally I talked to him. I was so disappointed. I remember just laying like in the RV in Florida. I'm like, yeah, my transmission's dead. He's like, I got something for you in like a week or two. I'm like, cool. and that's when they uh, that was when I don't know if it was a merge between the two where he bought out. How, how did that work with the transmissions? Uh, I don't actually I don't actually know. Okay. I know he he owns I, I think he bought an approach work and owns pure drivetrain solutions. OK, right. but I don't know enough to really. Comment OK, because what I heard and then I was like, oh, wow, like this is a this is there's an option for the transmission. And yeah. I know that I'm actually not too far from them. Actually, I'm in Long Island as well. He's in Medford or something like that. Uh, yeah, Long Island. Yeah, Medford, Long, Island, Long Island. Right. So when I heard about the the pure transmissions, it was like everybody was just like, obviously, it's, it works. It's proven to work. Mm. But they didn't have the stages that they have now. I think they're on. They just had a now. stage. They they have a stage three now, and um, it's uh, it's not called a stage three plus, but he's in development. Like right now, after this event, my transmission's coming out. Right. It's going to him. And uh, he wants to see how new techniques and new parts are are working. I don't I don't even know anything about it. All I know is there's some new things that I'm testing right now. Yeah. He needs to see how it's working, and right. then he's gonna give me the trans back. And if it, it seems like it's working, he's gonna apply these new upgrades to all the new stage threes. The only thing we didn't talk about is fueling, because okay. I know in the beginning when I used to when I first got my Supra, I was mm -hmm. looking at all the videos. There was like very few people that were doing stuff with the Supra. Yep. And one of the issues that there was this couple they have um they're into like off roading stuff in Jeeps. They had they bought a red Supra and mm -hmm. they try to peak it out and max it out. And I think they ran into fueling with the uh, the low pressure fuel pump. Okay. So I think that I'm not really sure. I don't remember what it was at the time, but um, there wasn't many options for fueling available. So at that time, what were you doing for fuel? Uh, at that time, this is actually funny. I was using AIC one. Oh, okay. So it was so ass backwards, but what I did, this was before reflex. So what I did was I literally idled and drove the car up to a certain load, like idle and drivability was like on DI. Yeah. And then as soon as I hit boost and this, this took forever to, to get right. But, um, I, I ran like no DI in boost. Like I'm talking about, I pretty much had the DI injector shut off, like 
six seven percent di and the rest was all was all port but you weren't you weren't this is just for track purposes right like this this was just for track purposes. okay yeah so you can't you're not daily driving like that no right? no okay. no 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 that was just, <laughs> that that was just yeah that was that was for track purposes so um can you talk about what your current setup is as we as we uh, are at this event yeah sure um so right now i have the uh next gen r 6870 okay it's a turbo i'm running just for this weekend uh, i typically run a 7480 precision um it has a viscani stage x motor mm -hmm. or stage x plus i guess he calls it now so different hardware he used um pure stage three transmission stage three right um eos manifolds uh ice tank built by matt meadows the whole car is put together by insomnia motorsports down in north carolina um by far the best b58 mechanic he, to this day he, right to this day he all the fast cars peppa myself mm -hmm. hezzy they all Hezzy uses multiple shops. I don't know the other shops he used, but all the fastest B58s are in and out of Matt's shop. Is that because he he's good with BMWs, or that's just because he was he, a Subaru guy, just like Subaru me? Subaru guy, really? Subaru guy, just like me. And uh, he picked one up. I picked one up, and I think we crossed cr crossed paths maybe two years after the yeah. platform drop. Wow, that's the. I definitely got to head down there and see. Uh, check out the shop because I'm sure they've got some crazy bills in there too right yeah uh, now he's getting into the G80 platform really so he I think he has two two or three G80s there right now I think he has um, the uh, X3M okay he's, he's starting to get into the, the S58 platform how do you feel about the S58 platform I love it really I love the S58 platform there's pros and cons with B58 and, and S58 and what are, what are the differences uh, B58 is easier to work with it's more proven um, if you have the money, mm -hmm. you could, you know, toss a hundred thousand dollars at a used M340 and the build, and have a high eight second car, like that. If not mid eight, mid eight second car, if you do weight reduction, where the S58 is still being figured out. Like if if you if you gave Matt at Insomnia Motorsports those two cars, the M340 is always going to be able to go faster. Really, if, if money's not an option. So. I want to get into the S58 platform. Right. My M340 will go eights for cheaper than the spec G80 M3 right off the dealer that I want. <laughs> and they're both beautiful cars. Yeah. The M3 is more baller. If you're right. the type of person, the M3 is a right now, mm -hmm. right in where it is in development, is a perfect car for somebody that wants a really nice BMW. Yeah. That goes mid or high nines in a quarter mile, and does crazy 60 to 130s on the highway. You know they're beating almost every other car they run into yeah you know that right now to me is what the s58 is about so what are some of the differences between the s58 and b58 the biggest difference is at least to me uh compression compression the b58 has much higher compression uh the block was built for a diesel based motor oh, okay. so that's why i have thousand horsepower stock motor b58s going mid eight second to high eight second passes nine hundred thousand mm. horsepower you can't do that with an s58 the s58 has a superior head it flows right um but the s58 basically is better if you're doing stock turbo stuff if you're okay. doing stock turbo stuff you want a really nice fast mid nine second bmw you buy an m3 or an, an m3 M4. okay um you cannot go fast like fast fast like eight second fast on a stock motor s58 on a stock motor s58 stock motor stock motor that's what i'm talking about okay yeah. i want to get into that platform 
Um, I'm just not, I'm not done with the B58 stuff yet. I think there's just so much more to come out of this platform. Yeah, I think, so you also mentioned there's more support for the B58 as well. Correct. As opposed to the S58, but that can change over time, right? I'm assuming? It can, it can, 100%. But I think that they did, they designed the Supra to be more of a track kind of car, right? They pretty much made more, it more friendly they, for I think consumers. they, if I remember correctly, they were advertising it more as like a road race car. Right. Not a right. drag car. Not a drag car, right. But you know, for performance purposes. Yeah. Um, so do you think that they designed the S58 the same way? Or because it's, it's more, it's an M3, I guess. It's the same thing. But the Supra, I mean, the name speaks for itself. You know what I mean? So do you think that the S58 um, was designed for performance or just to be more reliable? I want to say it was just the evolution of a BMW inline six. Okay. You know, it. Uh, even though... It doesn't have the compression these cars have. Right. It has the design is better. The okay. the the engine flows more air. Right. Um. I guess on paper it should be more reliable, but yeah. the rods are are very weak. In what car? In the S58. The rods are weak in the S58. Correct. And by today's standards, like they could go 980s in a daily car and have no issues, and that right. that is overall impressive. Yeah. Impressive. But the B58 could could withstand much, much, much more abuse on the bottom end. Wow. I, lo I love both, and I'll get into an S58 soon. I kind of want to shake that world up a little bit. <laughs> Just for fun. Like, I yeah. saw, who was it yesterday that we both saw on, on, on Instagram? It was M Powerhouse. Peppa, oh, Rick. Yeah. Rick. All, all those guys. Yeah, shout out to Rick. Uh, Isaac. Yes. That energy. Yeah. Right. I miss that energy. That's how, when we were first figuring out the Supra, yeah, that energy is what me, made me so excited. Like you saw those guys' yeah. energy. You it's know? all friendly though. It's not it, exactly. It's not like exactly. Nobody like they're all friends. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's good energy. Friends and you know? competing and right. like I just I fed off that energy. Shit, yeah. I, I got on Auto Trader right in the lanes. <laughs> I was I was like four cars back from making a pass. I'm like shit. What are the what are the what's a new M3 going for right yeah. now? Yeah, certain package. You know, I, I have a certain spec in mind that I that I want. Right. Yeah, I want. Uh, if I do get a car, I want it to be. What do they call it? Midnight purple. Yeah. With the orange buckets. I haven't seen I haven't seen one in person, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I want the midnight purple orange buckets and the colors dope. Roof. That that's that's the spec I want. And so do you think that when you get that platform, you're going to try to do the same thing with the Supra or like how you, you know, how you, you were trying to figure to, the car out and so on? My, like, I, I want to say yes. Okay. I want to hit it hard right off the rip. But then I also have to realize how much money it took to get here in the Supra. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm just waiting for a little bit more development on the platform by right. others. Like once there's proven, proven fire lock head gasket, right? Mm -hmm. Another huge thing is somebody has to come out with a with like a ten five or eleven O piston. Okay. The compression is just too low. That's why that's why you see these G eighty guys, uh, Rick and Merrick, right? I don't know what turbos are on, probably seventy two seventy fives or seventy four eighties. I think I forgot, I don't know if you mentioned it in the podcast, but I, I don't I don't know, I'm not sure. It, they're having issues. They're they're going like their trap speeds are up there, but yeah. they're actually it seems like they took a step backwards, which is was exactly what the Supra is with big turbos back three years ago. Right. 
you know, you went fast on a small turbo, you graduated a big turbo, you made 200 more horsepower, you're like, we're going to go faster. But now the 60 foot's so terrible, we can't leave, yeah. we're going slower. They were having issues so building boost. you need compression right. at the line to build boost. Unless, I mean, unless they spray it, I, I guess at that point it doesn't matter. I don't know That's if true. they spray or not. I don't think they're spraying. He didn't really talk too much about it. He, just, he has M-Life sauce. Mm -hmm. So uh, whatever their techniques and secrets are, that's, you know, I'm sure they try to work on it. Um, but he did have issues building boost this past Wednesday at the track. Yeah. Um, not sure if it had anything to do with the turbo, like you were mentioning. But um, he said it was like launching at 8 PSI or something like that. See, we'll launch in the in the B58, yeah. 8 to 10, you'll cut a low 1, 260 foot on a 7480. Right. But that's because we have compression. He said so he's supposed if, to be at 18. Yeah, if he's leaving at 8, I was going to say he probably needs double right. the boost to right. leave how, how we leave. But if you're having lower compression, can't you just get the same amount, like, did the same numbers with more boost, though? You have more room to... Correct, but you have to think about, you. you uh, it's an automatic car. Uh, so it has a converter. So you will only be able to get the RPM so high. You'll only right. be able to get so much exhaust gas moving. Got you. Okay. So the car physically just won't do it. Right, right, right. That's why That's why I'm just waiting. If somebody comes out with a solid, solid engine solution, yeah. and, and I know they're in the works... You know, I, I, I hear Visconti has something in the works. If, if a motor drops and it, it has the fire lock, it has the higher compression. Right. Now the platform's ready to roll. Now, now that's that's when I jump into in, into a G80 because the Supra was years of trial and error. Right. I want to get from A to Z as fast as possible and then start figuring out when I'm par with everybody else, that's when I want to start right. running into the issues and the figuring stuff out. Because of the money you already dumped into the Super. Into. Correct. Yeah. Right. Right. It doesn't make sense to have two research and development cars on, on, on that type of scale because mm. you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in cars and parts. <laughs> break, fix, break, fix. Right. Not to mention the time. <coughs> the time figuring out. So last question, because I know uh, we're short on time. Um, we're actually at the track right now. So um, what do you think that, uh, like, if you want to make certain uh, certain power on mm -hmm. the Supra, what transmission do you recommend? Because I know we, me and Tristan were talking about the yesterday because he has a Supra as well. Um, but I keep hearing this, like, 600 limit on the torque. Mm -hmm. um, so should you go stage one, stage two, like, if you, if you want to get like a thousand, if you want to get into the thousand horsepower range, should you go with the stage one, stage two? Like, what do you recommend? It all depends on your goals and your budget. Okay. Um, I always tell my guys to overbuild. 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 So if you want to make a thousand wheel, you could probably do it with a basic three liter. Um, uh, the SCE, I believe it's called, the head gasket. Okay. It's, like a, it's like a cheap mimic float ring fire lock um, and like a stage one or stage two trans. But you're you're risking still lifting ahead, slipping the trans. It's risks. Like right. yes, okay, you did it for whatever ten, fifteen thousand dollars cheaper. Yeah. But now you might have to do it again for even more. So I always tell my guys to overbuild. If you want a thousand, you want to do a stage three trans. You want to do a Visconti motor, and you want to do a sixty-eight seventy. Yeah. And you want it to be six port. Okay. Um, at that point, that is the most proven high high power setup for these cars. A Viscani 3 liter is fine. You don't need to go 3.2. Okay. You don't need to go crazy aggressive with the head. Right. Uh, just a simple, basic Stage X 3 liter with a Stage 3 trans and a 6870 kit, KLM. KLM is always my pick. Good to know. And how much is that going to cost? Because <laughs> I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, that's good to know. Damn, that sounds expensive though, man. 
to get a thousand, <laughs> at least a thousand. I want to be in the one thousand horsepower club, you know, with the Supra. What do I, how much I got to pay for that? So we've made a thousand and gone mid eights on a stock motor car yeah. for like thirty eight or thirty nine thousand. It was actually Matt Meadows' car, so now okay. the labor's free, parts are discounted, and we did it for under forty. If you're a customer walking into it, and you want to do what I just did, you're gonna pay. 30,000 for the motor, 15,000 for the trans, and 10,000 for the turbo kit, roughly. Then you need axles and drive shaft. Yeah, everything else comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. You don't have to explain anything like that. <laughs> you're, you're over 100 now with, yeah, with you're the price of the car. You're over 100. Wow. Wild. Well, uh, like I said, we're short on time. So um, hope to see you. I mean, do you expect to run any low, crazy numbers here? No, uh, I'm handicapped. I had to okay, go back to a 68 millimeter turbo. Gotcha. And you're trying out the new turbo as well. Yeah. It's um, kicking my ass. It's kicking your ass it right now. It spools so fast, it, it makes too much boost on two-step, and I just, I, I can't launch it properly. I just pull the tires off. This is the first time probably in a while that my own car is kicking my ass, and I'm not <laughs> afraid to admit it. It's you actually kind of- an eight, though. It went eight one, but it's 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 exciting. It went eight one, and you just like, shall I it went eight one? Like, dude, eight one is. I, I would want my car to run eight one. It's just exciting because I feel challenged again. Like, no, I cannot. I, I hear you. I feel it did go eight one, but I cannot launch the car how I'm used to launching the right. car. And uh, it's exciting again because now I have to use my head and refigure things out. Mm. Um, and then when I put the seventy four seventy four eighty back on the car, yeah. it's just going to be back to the same old. You know, I just I'm just comfortable. I just go up to the lane. You know, hopefully hit a seven eight, probably hit a seven nine, and just. If That's it doesn't work out for you, bro, you can also donate, you know, to my Supra. <laughs> Supra ain't working out, bro. Just slide it over here, bro. You know, I'll take care of it. I, I got some extra parts numbers. laying around. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I really appreciate your time, man. For sure. Um, I'm glad I make I can make this happen. You were on my list, bro, like months. I was like, I have to get Mikey because I have a Supra. You know, I, I interview all these other guys, other platforms, but why not interview the guy who's doing the, the best and has the best time with my car? You know what I'm saying? So I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Um, and I appreciate your support on the content too. I see you comment and stuff on on the on the podcast. Um, yeah, man, I I, too, yeah. I enjoy uh, I enjoy uh, watching. Appreciate I really, it, really man. Do. Really appreciate. It. I'm glad to actually have you on, so I can have fun with the clips and you know educate more people out there with the platform. Of course. So thank you, man. You're very um, welcome. Until next time, guys. Uh, keep watching. Keep listening. Make sure you guys like, share, comment, and subscribe. And I will catch you on the next one. Peace.